Turn please to John, gospel account of John, 15th chapter. You're believing with me, correct? And uh, you're not limited to what I know. Thank you, Lord. But we've already prayed and asked the Lord. And he is and will speak to us. Quicken us. We're believing not just for any word, but for the word. For right now. For us. Hallelujah. Fresh manna from heaven. John 15, 1. Jesus is speaking here. He said, I am the true vine. Now, every word matters. There are no unnecessary words in the inspired scripture. One translation says, I'm the real vine. Anytime you see something like true or real, that lets you know there are others that are not the real thing. Jesus said, I am the true vine. I'm the real vine, and my father is the husbandman. One translation says, my father is the gardener. Well, you know, this goes along with what we just read in 1 Corinthians 3, isn't it? You're God's husbander. You're God's field. Well, we know now more about it. Uh, the father is the gardener, and Jesus is the vine. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 2. Every branch. How many? Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it that it may bring forth more fruit. Thank you, Lord. Now, this is a teaching of Jesus, right? And so we, we, we really want to get what he, what the Spirit of God was quickening to him to minister to them and had it recorded for all generations to come. It is the living Word of God speaking to us right now. Amen. Wouldn't be any more the Word of God if Jesus himself was standing in front of you saying, I'm the true vine. It's just as true there as if you heard it coming out of his mouth. So, there's the vine, and there are branches, and there are many branches, and there are branches that are fruitful, and there are branches that are not. There are branches that bear a little bit of fruit, and then there are branches that are loaded. <laughs> Anybody like to be in the lo <laughs> loaded? Loaded. <laughs> Loaded. And we're talking about with fruit that pleases God. Loaded. You ever seen a fruit tree branch that was loaded? Oh, man. When they really get loaded, you're almost concerned it's going to break the limb off. Is that right? And in the natural, it can happen, but... But how I many know God's got a good strong vine, so no concern about breaking the vine or the trunk or any of that. He can handle it. As loaded as you can be, he can handle it. He can handle it. 
But it's, it's wonderful. We, we're used to it, especially if you've been around for a few years, seeing a plant just loaded with strawberries or tomatoes or seeing a, a plant, a tree that's just loaded with apples or, or oranges. Or, uh, when I grew up in uh, central Mississippi, we grew up on a farm, and I remember I, one of my earliest memories I had, I think I had a diaper on, (laughs) some kind of just white swathing, and I had nothing on my top and nothing on my legs. The reason I remember it is because I got juice all over me, and it was sticky, but it was pear juice. In my grandparents' backyard was a giant pear tree. And I mean, this thing, when, when the season was on, I don't know how many pairs. Of course, you know, when you're that tall, everything looks pretty big to you, too. It might not look quite as big today, but back then it looked gigantic to me. And my dear grandmother, who's in heaven, bless her heart, I'd be glad to see her again sometime. She was holding me up in her arms. And I I don't know how old I was. I couldn't have been very old. Holding me up in her arms. And we were eating pears. And we were eating them buddy. And I had pear juice. All over me. I I was really into it. And these pears. Were so good. Nothing like a pear. That has stayed on the tree. The entire time. And is completely right. We're not talking about this that they pulled it weeks too early to ship it across the country. We're talking about a real pair. Jesus said, I'm the real vine. You begin to get more insight into the psalmist said, come taste and see. You, you got to see this for yourself. How sweet this fruit is. What fruit? That the Lord is good. Whew. Somebody say taste and see. That the Lord is good. And this is taste for yourself. Some things is better felt than told. Better experienced than explained. <laughs> when you get to a point where you know quit describing it to me. Just let me taste it. Let me <laughs> take a bite. <laughs> the reason I say that I think there's a whole lot of description nowadays in church and ministry and not nearly enough tasting the Lord doesn't just want us to accumulate piles of notebooks with wonderful notes and definitions okay so you don't use paper you got an iPad full <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> I had somebody asked me the other day, they said, Brother Keith, you walk around and tote that piece of paper with you. Don't you know we have stuff nowadays? We, we, have, we have iPads. We, I said, I know. I, I like what I got, okay? <laughs> Brother Kenneth Hagin, my father in the faith who's in heaven now, came by my office years ago when I was working for him, and I just got a computer. It was a 386. 
Anybody remember that? Had 40 meg hard drive. 40, 40 meg hard drive with a green monochrome. Yeah. Uh, display. Monochrome. And uh, I had a Bible program, one of the earlier ones, that you could do word searches and that kind of thing. Brother Hagen came by and leaned over me and said, what is that? He's looking at it. And, and I, I, I've been explained to him, you know, man, you can look up words. Like, watch this. You know, I put faith in there and zip like that. Of course, you know, when you say zip, you could go get a cup of tea <laughs> and come back <laughs> while it was searching. <laughs> But, you know, he, he stood there patiently and waited. It finally came up how many verses, all the way, Genesis to Revelation. And he said, hmm. He said, I got my computer right here. <laughs> and that was it. That was discussion. I got my computer right here. <laughs> That's the best place to have your computer. Thank God for them. They're good tools, but uh, they cannot take the place of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And you want to rely much more on him quickening you, bringing things to your remembrance. Because uh, just because you did a vast search, it could be a vast waste of time trying to filter through all that stuff when the Holy Spirit can take you to it. Just like that. Is that right? Just boom. Hallelujah. Right one right now. Thank you, Lord. But uh, <laughs> I keep getting on these side journeys. I remember that experience to this day because I had pear juice all over my chest and uh, uh, all over my legs and everything. And my grandmother, who's a strong believer ever since I knew her, she taught, the, she was a secretary of treasury and the Sunday school teacher at the local church for, I don't know, 50, 60 years, whatever it was. Taught multiple generations. And she said, mm-mm, these pears are sweet. I'm thinking, you got that right. Yeah, I took another one. And they're so juicy, you know. She said, uh, God made these pears, and he's sweeter than these pears. I couldn't have been very old. I remember that to this day. I thought, well, he's got to be some kind of sweet because. <laughs> <laughs> and how many know he is? Some kind of sweet. It's very important. Listen, parents, grandparents, very important to your little ones. You really can't start too young. I mean, you can talk to them in the womb. Tell them who God is. Tell them who made them. Tell them how big he is. Tell them how wonderful he is. Hallelujah. It can go right into the spirit, stick with them their entire life. Be a, be a point of reference and an anchor for their understanding of the Almighty. Amen. Well, go back to uh, John 15 here. This is what he's talking about when he's talking about fruit. Good fruit. Things that are good. Keep reading where we're in verse uh, 2. Every branch in me that bears not fruit he takes away. There are many, it's sad, but there are millions who have had 
all kinds of opportunities to receive life from him and to bear fruit, but have rejected him. But those that have received him and are do have a live connection and a live flow from the vine into their life will have some fruit. Jesus said, by their fruits, you'll know them. Who's a real Christian and who's not is not as mystical as people might think. Who's walking with God and who's not is not as hard to distinguish as many imagine. Jesus said, by what they produce, by their fruits, you can tell. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. A bad man, evil's, you know, used interchangeably with bad. A bad man, out of the bad treasure of his uh, heart, brings forth bad things. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If there's always a bunch of junk coming out of their mouth, that's because there's a bunch of junk in their heart. If there's a bunch of good things coming out of their mouth, that's because there's good things inside. It's actually a lot more obvious and apparent than many like to think. Sometimes people will say it, you know, defensively. Well, the Lord knows my heart. That may not be a good thing. He sure does. You're acting like everything in your heart's good. <laughs> well, moving right along. But everybody that every branch that's bearing fruit, he purges it. That word means prune or cleanse. So he's continually in the, the function of pruning off if you'll let him, if you'll work with him, the dead stuff. Because anybody in here into gardening or orchards or what do you need to do? Do you need to leave all that dead stuff on there? That gets in the way, right? It gets in the way. It can hinder the production. You need to, uh, and some of that stuff, I mean, you know, it might seem traumatic, to the tree <laughs> to lop that, that particular shoot and sprout off. But it's been dry and dead for some time now. It hadn't produced anything. It's just using up. It's blocking sunlight. Is that right? It's using resources and producing nothing. Which is why Jesus cursed that fig tree. Y'all with me? Why would he Speak to that fig tree. And so no, no man eat fruit of you hereafter forever. Why? Well, it apparently for that season and that place and that time of year to be that full of leaves and have not even an indication of any fruit coming on, it wasn't going to produce any fruit. It was a lion fruit tree. <laughs> It was saying, look at me, I'm healthy, I'm a great fig tree, but you get to it, no figs 
at all yeah, yeah. and not going to be any fix. Yeah, that's good. Not now, not next year. So Jesus said, you're done. <laughs> Nobody is going to eat figs from you or anything from you from now on. And it dried up from the roots. There is a, there's a warped concept that the world has about how things are. And that's why you got so many people blaming God for so many bad things that are happening. Yeah, that's right. Go with me to the book of Luke. Thank you, Lord. Luke 13, verse 1. Now, what, what I'm sharing with you now, some of you may already know and may have heard, but most of the world does not believe what I'm about to talk to you about right now. They don't believe it. Most church-going people don't believe this that we're about to get into. They believe God is in control. And what that means is everything that is happening is somehow the mysterious will and plan of God. So if he didn't cause it, he allowed it. And if he allowed it, it was somehow his will. And plan. And people say, well, there, there must have been a reason. Oh, there was a reason. <laughs> but it doesn't mean it was the will of God. Amen. Reason. Amen. How many remember what Peter said? God is not willing that any should perish. Now, the word perish means to be destroyed. So, if you say or you imply that somehow it was God's will for these people to be destroyed in this, this fashion or the other, you're contradicting verses like that. Because according to him, it's not his will. Amen. How many believe the Bible or not? Yes. It is not his will that any, somebody say any, any, any should perish. Are people perishing? Yes, yes they are. Spiritually Emotionally, physically, maritally, family, financially, people are perishing right and left. But it's not God's will. I said it's not his will. Anybody remember the, the Lord's Prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, if everything that's happening is the will of God, you don't need to pray that. Do you hear me or not? If everything that is happening is the will of God, why would you need to pray, thy will be done? It's already being done. No. Nope. God's will is being done completely in heaven. Didn't he say, thy will be done on earth? How? As it is, how much crime do they have in heaven? Come on, help me out. What's the crime rate on the streets of gold? Could, could you get carjacked? 
Could you get held up? Could no. you could you get mugged no. at the gate of pearl? And I just walking by the gate and boom. <laughs> no. Uh-uh. How much disease? How much sickness? None. How much mental illness? How much? How much war? How, how much rioting? How, none. 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 You know why? Because he is in complete control. There. His will is being completely done. There. And soon and very soon, it's going to be done down here too. There's going to be new heavens and, and new earth. There's going to be no more curse. And did you read about it? There's no, going to be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more dying. No more. Because the will of God will be completely manifest. But now we need to pray that the will of God would be done. In the midst of all this darkness and chaos. Because yeah. there's so much of it. It's not the will of God. Doesn't please him. But he's given man a free will. Luke 13. There were present at that season. Some that told him of the Galileans. Whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Now if this was today. It'd be on all the news channels. It would. It was a awful thing. These guys went to offer their sacrifices and somehow they had offended Pilate and he sent the soldiers and when they were there to cut the throats of the animals, they cut their throats and shed their blood. Slaughtered them all right there. Verse 2. Jesus answering said to them, now he, the whole crowd's listening to him. He brought this up. And he said, suppose you, do you think that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? Why do you think it happened to them? And this is the answer to why the bad things happen to good people. It's right here. Right here. Because... Even today, you'll hear a lot of times something happened, a bad storm hit a place, and people say, well, must have been a lot of sin there. Well, look around. Right? I mean, if that's a criteria, how come your place is still around? <laughs> your city, your, you think it's got no problems? No, it's just not true. What, what did he say? He said, verse 3, I tell you, no. Nay means no. What, what do we mean no? It wasn't because they were so bad that those things happened to them or that they were any worse than anybody else around there. Well, then why did it happen to them? Now, here's where you get church-going people that break into, well, God had a reason. Right? Yeah, right? And we don't, we don't understand it, but you know, and they'll tell you uh, uh, that God sent a tornado into a place and children were killed because he wanted more angels for the choir and such things. And, and if you don't know any better, well, the Lord looks at your heart. He knows what you know and you don't know, but these things are absolutely untrue. That's 
They're untrue. They're not the Bible. It's men's ideas trying to explain things they don't understand. But Jesus has given us some answers if we'll accept them. Why did that bad thing happen? He brings it up and says, do you think that these people were worse than other people? And that's why it happened to them instead of them? I tell you, no. no. But except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. This is what I'm talking about. Most of the world has this upside down. They have it completely backwards. Why did God let this happen? Why did God do this? You're asking the wrong question. You're on the wrong track completely. The question is, why wasn't the Lord able to prevent it? Because his will would have been to protect and to spare and to prevent it. Come on, can you see this right here? He said, if you don't repent, in other words, you don't make some changes, you're just as vulnerable as they are. And this kind of thing could happen to you at any time. But repenting before the Lord, repenting includes changes. Changes of heart, changes of thinking, changes of talking, changes of living. Get right with him. Get in the secret place of the Most High under the shadow of the Almighty. Come on, can you see that? Then you can talk like David did. A thousand may fall at my side and ten thousand over here, but it won't happen to me. Hallelujah. Now, now you talk like that today, people look at you like you're crazy. Going, well, they didn't want it to happen to them. I'm quoting scripture. Yes. Yeah. Would it be all right to quote the Bible? Yes. Quote the 91st Psalm? Yes. Would it be all right? Yes. Why could he say that? Well, because he has repented from the way the world thinks. He has changed from the way the ungodly see things. And he's walking with the Lord. And the Bible said everywhere he went, the Lord gave him victory. Hallelujah. Spared his life so many times. It started when he was a boy. The bear didn't kill him. Remember that? The lion didn't get him. Goliath didn't get him. And he was in battle after battle after battle. And, you know, when, when he's talking about the arrow that flies by day, he knows what he's talking about. He's had them zip by his head. <laughs> the pestilence that wastes at noonday, the plague that tries to come in your house. He said, they won't get in my house. The arrow won't get me. The plague won't get me. Hallelujah. That's how faith talks. That's how confidence in God talks. Religion teaches you to be afraid all the time and go, well, you just never know what God's going to do and attribute everything to him. It's wrong. I said it's wrong. There's a thief 
I said, there's a thief. Jesus told us about him. John 10.10. Come on, help me out. What did he say? The thief doesn't come except he comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But do you hear people talking about the thief did it when a storm hits? I mean, the same Bible that talks about God talks about the destroyer. Why does the insurance company call it an act of God? Why can't we call it an act of the devil? Why not? Same Bible talks about both. It's because the devil is influencing so many of these things. And one of his favorite things is to remain incognito. He don't want you to even believe there is such a thing as a devil. Which means he can wreak havoc in your life and you won't even resist him. Because you don't believe he's real. He went on to say, gives another example. Those 18 upon whom the tower in Siloam fell and slew them. You think they were sinners above all the men that dwelt in Jerusalem? We would call this, I mean I, I wouldn't, but a lot of folks would call it a random act. This is just a freak accident. These guys were there. Maybe they were there sightseeing to see the tower. And they came at the wrong time. And that thing creaked and cracked and fell on them and killed 18 of them. Is that what it said? That'd be on the news. You know, building collapsed. Killed 18 people. Now what would a lot of Christians and preachers say about this? Must have been their time. And and we just don't know. But God has his reasons. And he has his his purpose. That's not what Jesus. Could Jesus have said that right here? If he had wanted to. And if that's what had been true. Couldn't he have said right there. Yeah the tower fell on those people. But it was God's mysterious work. Don't question it. Could Jesus have said that? Well why didn't he say it? Why did he say this instead? Because this is true. The other is not. The other is not true. What did he say? Do you think that those people were worse sinners, worse people than other folks around them, those 18 that the building fell on? What's the next verse say? I tell you, nay. Nay what? No, it wasn't because they were bad people that the, tower, that the building fell on them. You hear people say, well, boy, they must have made God mad. Whew, look at that. Building fell on them. You know they wasn't living right. <laughs> no, you don't know that. You don't know that they were any less living right than most of the people around them. And when you say, why did God do that? You are asking the wrong question. Why did God let that happen to them? You're asking the wrong question. What's Jesus' answer? Come on, read it. What's Jesus' answer? Except, no, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. What does that mean? You are vulnerable, susceptible to the same kind of thing happening to you unless you make a change from what, how they live and think and believe. Mm-hmm. Repent means to turn. Make a, cha- a big change. You need to not think like they did. Not talk like they did. 
You need to believe something different. You, you need to get close to me. Come on, can you see that? Repent and get close to me. Listen to me every morning, noon, and night. Right? And when I check you, don't go there, then you don't go there. Come on, are y'all with me? When I, when I deal with you, pay attention to this, pay attention to this. You can't separate his divine protection from faith and being led by the Spirit. Yes, amen. Got to be led by the Spirit. One of the first jobs I had at Brother Hagin's ministry, I was on the phones, and people would call in for prayer. And I hadn't been there, I don't know, two or three weeks. And the lady called. She was sobbing, just uncontrollably. I couldn't understand anything she was saying. Just sobbing, sobbing, sobbing. And finally, after I don't know a minute or two, I was able to understand she had just, I don't know, an hour ago or whatever, been mugged. Some yahoo hit her in the head and stole her purse. And so uh, she finally quit crying quite as much and she was still so upset. And as she began to talk a little bit and I listened, the biggest thing she's upset about, she said, I'm a Christian. And I confess the 91st Psalm that he protects me and he keeps me. Well, what's going on here? How did this happen? Right? How did this happen to me? And so she's looking for answers. And I, I didn't know what to tell her. I'm as green as can be. But I'm, I'm checking. <laughs> I'm checking down here. I'm looking. Lord... What do I tell this lady? How can I help this lady? And it came up to me from from the inside. It was a word of knowledge. But you know these things are not. Usually not spectacular. It can come up to your mind. Just like a thought. But it's something you'd have no way of knowing. Unless the Lord revealed it to you. I said well. uh, Back back up a little bit. I said "What, what were you doing this morning? And she told me. And I said, well, you, you had some business or you, you, you had some things to do? And she said, well, she paused. And then she said, you know, I, I had a check about going over there this morning. I knew in my heart immediately. She said, but I'm a faith woman. And, and I quote the 91st Psalm. How many understand you cannot override the leading of the Holy Spirit with the confession and be okay. You cannot separate living and operating by faith from being led by the Holy Spirit. There are too many variables that you don't know. Yes, it's true. It's God's will to keep you and protect you. Yes, he's more than enough. But you got to listen to him too. Have you remember reading in the book of Acts? There were times that Paul heard they were after him and got out of town. Is that right? Got himself out of town. There were other times they stoned him and he got back up, went back into town after they stoned him. (laughs) So he wasn't leaving because he was scared. He's leaving because he was led. And you might say, well, That's confusing. How do you know which one to do? There's only one way. You have to actually pray. (laughs) 
and check in with the Lord once in a while, at least, and ask him about things, you know, and see about getting a plan from him. And when he checks you on something, stop. Just stop and give it a minute. Check your heart. Something keeps bothering you, keep bothering you. Don't ignore it. Don't override it. I don't care how long it's been planned. I don't care how much money you spent. Come on, y'all with me? Don't override the Holy Spirit inside. That's a good phrase, ain't it? Don't override the Holy Spirit inside. Thank you, Lord. Keep reading this in Luke 13. When people say, why did God do that? You're asking the wrong question. Why did God let that happen? You're still asking the wrong question. God's a good God. He's not the destroyer. He's not the thief. He's not the killer. It's not his nature. It is not his will that any should perish. So when people perish, it happened contrary to his will. And so these people perished in this, you know, attack by Pilate. These other people perished in this collapsing building. And he brought it up publicly, asked the questions, and gave us the answer. It's not because they were bad people any more than most of the rest of the city. But unless you make a change, you'll be just as exposed. So the, the issue is, why wasn't the Lord able to protect them? That's the issue. And one of the reasons is many people, they, they don't even have a concept of being led by the Spirit. They've rejected praying in the Spirit. Hear what I'm saying? Many have rejected faith for protection. They've rejected uh, praying in the Spirit and these things and just cut themselves off from things that are needed so much in daily life. And so people are oblivious. They just make their plans. They just go and come. They never check in with him. And so you're exposed. You're vulnerable. But there's another way to live. I said there's another way to live. It's a better way. It's a safer way. Safer way. But don't blame God. But look how this flows in. You might think I've digressed a little bit. But look at the very next verse. He spoke also this parable, a certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came and was looking for what? Fruit. Thereon. And he found what? None. None. Is this good or bad? This is bad. (laughs) We know what happened to the fig tree, right? (laughs) You know, the Lord come looking for fruit. Another thing that many have not understood, the Lord expects us to produce. He expects a return on his investment. He requires it. Many don't think so. Many haven't understood and believed this. But he's looking for a return. What do you mean? Has he allowed you to know about him? Has he given you precious and important things? Has answered your prayers? Taught you about faith? Taught you about these things? Well, that's wonderful. 
He's also looking for some fruit. He's looking for that to multiply over into other people's lives. Can you see this? He's looking for that influence to expand off of your life to people around you. He's looking for some fruit. Well, he came and uh, no fruit. And he said to the dresser of the vineyard, behold, we'd say, look, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and found none. Last year and the year before, nothing, nothing, three years. So cut it down. Is that in line with John 15? It is. Cut, cut it down. Why? It's using up the soil. It's using up the light. Using up the water. Not producing a thing. <laughs> I had a thought there, but I won't go there right now. <laughs> he said, uh, Why cumbereth it the ground? And the, uh, the dresser answered and said, Lord, let it alone this year also. You know what this is? Intercessory prayer. Intercessory prayer. Let, let it alone this year too, and I'll dig about it, and we'll fertilize it, and if it bears fruit, great. If not, after that you can cut it down. Give it some more time. Give it another season. Give it another year. I know there was a time that I was uh, praying about a particular person that I knew about. And man, <laughs> they should have been gone many, many times over. And just, you know, ignored so many opportunities of the Lord. And I knew if something didn't change, they were going down a bad road. Uh, there could be judgment happen quick. And there could be destruction. And you, you say that, and some people brace up and go, no, grace, grace, grace. There can't be any judgment. You need to read your Bible, honey child. It's not about God judging people. Yes, I understand their sins have already been judged on Jesus. He paid the price. But if you don't receive it by faith and walk in the light of it, you don't get the benefit of it. And 1 Corinthians 11 says, if you don't judge yourself, is this New Testament, 1 Corinthians 11. He's writing to the saints at Corinth. If you don't judge yourself, what will happen? You'll be judged. That doesn't mean you'll be lost. But you'll be judged concerning those things in this life. And it goes on to say that, uh, you know, that you won't be condemned with the world. Some of the things the Lord allows is mercy so that you don't have to answer and deal with it later dealt with on this side. That's another whole thing. But uh, I, I was saying, Lord, you know, I know you have been so merciful. So merciful. But I'm asking you, give them some more time. Give them another opportunity. Give them another. And, and the Lord interrupted me. I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but very distinctly inside me. He said, uh, Keith, I'll do it just because you asked me to. My, my, my. My eyes filled up with tears. I'll do it 
just because you asked me to. Didn't he say if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it? That's not just for one or two people. That's for anybody that will have a relationship with him and talk to him about these things. And that's where you got a beautiful picture of this right here. The dresser speaks. I mean, somebody's about to get the axe. Is that right? Or the chainsaw. Right? And the dresser says, "Um, sir, I know it. I know it. Would you give me another season with it? I'll work with it. We'll aerate it. Get some good fertilizer on it. And uh, let's see if it'll produce something. And if not, then okay. This is reality in Jesus being the vine and there being all these branches. Some fruitful, some not. Some a little bit fruitful, some loaded. I'm looking in this meeting for some people that want to be loaded. Can, can, can I get a witness? Can I get Can I get a volunteer? Somebody will say, I, I will volunteer to be a loaded, 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 loaded. Branch. Because what, what is this fruit we're talking about? It, it's, there's, there's more than one kind of fruit. We'll touch on that, I think, as we go. But you'll see in the passage, he's talking about prayer fruit. He's talking about love fruit. He's talking about changes. All of it boils down to changes in people's hearts and lives. Hallelujah. And being loaded means people all around you can have a pair. Is that right? Take a healing pair. Is that right? A deliverance pair. A blessing pair. Have a, have a pair. And, and you don't run out after the first three. You still got more pairs. More pairs. And there's such a flow of life from him into your life. There's such a flow of ability that as fast as people are pulling them off, seems like they're growing overnight. You come back in the morning, there's more pairs there. Woo! And you got pair testimonies everywhere. People say, I ate that pair. Best thing I ever ate in my life. That pair changed my life. Hallelujah! I see the light. I'm a pear eater forever. We're talking about the Lord's pears. (laughs) Back to John. Oh, thank you, Lord. Overnight, tomorrow before the service, be a good thing to just get quiet, sit in your chair without the TV on can even turn off your devices. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. <laughs> be still. And know that I am God. And just get quiet. 
Be still. Meditate on this. Where am I on the vine? Meditate on God's plan for you. What, what did he plan for me to produce in my days? Where am I at in my production? And we know God always wants more. He's looking for more. John 10 said, I, I am come, Jesus said, that you might have life, hallelujah, abundantly, more abundantly. Amplified says, to the full until it overflows. This is not just for you. Now, it blesses you, it helps you, but it's ultimately for other people to benefit from the, the fruit of your life. Everything that helps you will help them. Right? Yes. Knowing how you, you know, if it heal, you could receive a healing through it, they could receive a healing through it. You got free through it, they can get free through it. Everything the Lord does for you is not just for you. I said everything the Lord does for you is not just for you. He says, John 15, Three, now you are clean. This goes back to the pruning and purging. The word translated purge there also means clean. Prune and cleanse. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken to you. This pruning, this purging is not destructive. It's beneficial. God's not hurting his own branch. He'll help you get rid of the dead stuff. Verse 4. Abide in me. That word can be translated stay in me. Dwell in me. Live in me. Phyllis and I have been talking about this in recent months. How that with so many. God is an add on. Do you know what I mean by that? God's an add-on. They got their life. They got their plan. They got their things. But to add God on, you know, help me, God, do my thing. But he's not really a help you do your thing God. I know a lot of people try to say that he is. (laughs) But listen to things like this. Unless you deny yourself. Uh, That's Bible too. Take up your cross. And follow me. You can't. Be my disciple. You you got to be willing to leave everything. That's not the message everybody wants to hear. But it's it's the true message. It's the real message. No God's not an add on. Now he is amazingly merciful. You can ignore him. And forget about him for decades. And if you really get right and approach him right, he'll help you out. Even though you've gone your own way for decades, he's very, very merciful. But you won't have the full plan of God. And you'll endure a lot of things you shouldn't have to go through. Because you forfeit some some things you should be enjoying. If you want to experience his perfect will, you have to do his perfect will. You have to obey him fully. 
If you be willing. I'm not just making this up. I just want to keep quoting scriptures to you. If you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. If the willing and obedient had nothing to do with it, he'd just say, congrats. You'll eat. Everybody will eat the good of the land. He didn't say it that way. He said, if. I-F. That's a condition. If you do, you will. If you don't, you won't. How many remember? He said, I set before you life, death, blessing, cursing. And while there was a pause, he said, choose life. (laughs) This is the one you want. But that means he doesn't choose for you. He doesn't choose for you. It is truly your choice. My choice. He said, stay in me and and me in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide or stay in the vine, no more can you except you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him the same brings forth much fruit. Somebody say much fruit. Much, Much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Nothing that matters. Nothing that's gold, silver, and precious stones. If a man abide not in me, he's cast forth as a branch, is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. The reason there's so much dissatisfaction, discontentment, so much boredom, is because of a lack of connection with the vine. If you are bored, 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 it's because you're not doing something you should be doing. God has things for us to do. And the reason a lot of people are so bored and so dissatisfied, he told them what to do, but they didn't want to do that. He told them to work on the clean team. Told them to help out in children's parking lot. Did you hear these great testimonies about people blessed by the parking lot team? Blessed by the ushers. Some folks say, well, I, that, you know, I want to be in real ministry. That is real ministry, honey child. <laughs> when you meet somebody and you hadn't been fussing with your spouse all night, but you actually are, got some peace about you and some faith in you, and you say hello like you care about them, it means something. That's legitimate ministry. People can tell whether you want them there or not. They can tell. They can sense that. These things are spiritual, and it doesn't get any more real ministry than these kind of things. How many glad somebody cleaned your chair before you came in here in your, in your clothes and sat down in it? Somebody cleaned the floor. Are you glad? Are you glad? That's ministry. They, they did that because they care about you and because they love the Lord. They could be doing something else with their time. This is real ministry. And when you're occupied doing what the Lord told you to do, and then you'll find out, well, he'll expand and increase, and you'll have more to do, and you'll have more to do, and, and you won't be bored. Because you'll be busy. 
I know my mom's here. She just had a had a birthday. Mom, would you wave your hand? Praise God. <clears throat> Thank you, Mom. Mom helped helped us out so much, my little brother, when we were small. We made the mistake about one big time of coming in and plopping on the couch after school and said, We're bored. She said, Oh, you're bored. <laughs> <laughs> then we had projects and we could do this and we moved rocks and, and we, we brought manure from the lot to the garden and we, and, but we didn't say anymore we're bored thank you mom I'm serious I'm serious you know it, it is sad that you know you've got uh, grown Boys and girls sitting up in the air conditioning on the couch playing gaming or or watching the Kardashians or whatever it is. I'm not knocking them. I'm just saying that's one way to spend your time. And daddy or mama comes in from working all day at work and goes cuts the grass while these big kids lay up on the couch. This is somebody who don't care enough about their children. So how dare you say that? I'm actually quoting scripture. Proverbs mentions these kind of things multiple times. What do you mean? You are not preparing them for success in life. You're not teaching them respect for you or for God. You're not teaching them to utilize, they're part of this family. They should contribute to the family. Is that right? They should help as soon as they're able. They should help carry their weight. They should do things. And not have to get paid for everything. <laughs> How do we get over there? Is it true or not? What do you, what do you think? Some folks got some really messed up ideas. And the thing we see as pastors, we see these young people get into their, even their early teens and mid-teens, and they don't know how to have a job interview. They don't, know, they, they don't know how to stick it out a half a day at work. If it gets too warm or somebody speaks sharp to them, they quit and run home. They're not prepared for success in life. That's right. God expects things of us. He requires things of us. Not so we'll be saved and make heaven. That's already been bought and paid for in Jesus. But he still requires things of us to accomplish his plan and will down here. And if we'll do it, he's got reward for us. Hallelujah. Past this life, in this life and past this life. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. But he, he comes looking for fruit. He comes looking for results. He wants to see a return on his investment. Some years ago, I began to think about how much Phyllis and I had been privileged to see and hear of the good things of God. I mean, going back 35 plus years almost 40, well, 40 now, the messages we've heard, the meetings we've been in, even being able to fellowship with some of God's 
generals and his people and just amazing things. And one time, one time I, I realized I, we have heard all of this so much. We have been involved in all of these great things. There are people on the planet haven't heard one good faith message. I thought, Lord, why us? Why Phyllis and, and me? Just little, little country people from Mississippi? Why us? And the Lord spoke to me that afternoon and answered my question. And then a couple of weeks later, he gave me another part to the answer. He brought to my remembrance the first time Phyllis and I heard about faith and about being redeemed and about those things, how excited we got and, and, and how thrilled we got and how hungry we got and we wanted more and how we endeavored to share it with some of our friends. And some of them, uh, you know, liked it, but, but some of them didn't. Some of them thought, well, okay, you know, whatever. The Lord brought that to me just a flash, brought that by my mind. He said, you asked why. We, I gave and allowed you and Phyllis to experience so much. He said, I knew you would value it. Oh my. Did you hear that? He said, I knew you would value it. If you keep on valuing it, he keeps on giving it to you. Hallelujah. And then a couple of weeks later, he said, and I knew you'd do something with it. Did you hear that part? Knew you'd do something with it. You'd act on it. You'd, you'd put, you know, as much as you knew, begin to put it into practice. And by his grace we have, and oh my, he has taken us where we never thought we'd go. Allowed us to be a part of things we never imagined decades ago we could ever be a part of. And he's no respecter of persons. Do you value his word? Are you willing to do something with it? To put it into practice, then you will be in that limb category, that branch group that we're talking about. Because somebody tell me what it what loaded, loaded. loaded. Keep on reading. He said, he said, uh, talking about bearing much fruit, and he said in verse seven, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you will. And it shall be done to you. This is part of the fruit bearing. You get the word in you. You get faith in you. You get vision in you. And you start saying it and praying it. And it starts producing. Verse 8. Herein is my father glorified. That you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. Hallelujah. Somebody stand on your feet and say I am. His disciple, and I will bear much fruit, much fruit. Hallelujah. Lift your hands. Let's begin to thank the Lord. Lord, we worship you. We praise you. Come on, give glory to the Lord. Give thanks to your God. We worship you. We praise you. We bless you. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you, Lord, for giving us these glorious opportunities to know you, be joined to you. Oh, thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. 
If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.